presence today in this place. Thank you for the folks that are here today. Thank you for the folks that are away on vacation today. Lord, I thank you today for the power of the Holy Ghost. Somebody say power. The dunamis, the power of the Holy Ghost. You know, sometimes I was, <clears throat> sometimes I get frustrated on my job because there's a few people that I manage. And a lot of times when I'm walking around our facility, when I walk into a room or an area, a lot of times they scatter because hopefully they know here comes work. Somebody say, work out your salvation. You know, the power comes to do something. Amen. Power comes to accomplish something in our lives, in our families, in our realm of influence in our world. I'm thankful for power today. And over the last couple of weeks, by the way, I'm preaching today. Is that okay? Amen. Here comes work. You know, I, uh, you know, we, 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 so many times we get in the pulpit and, boy, you guys look great today. I heard the Holy Ghost say, be honest today. Be honest with the people. And I said, well, what does that look like? He said, tell them they look terrible and they need a move of God. They need God to do something in their life. And I heard a young, I believe he was a man of God. His website was, he was just, covering some Christian things, and by the way, that's a great way to start your sermon, isn't it? You look terrible, and you need a move of God. You're not where you should be. You're not doing what you're capable of doing. You're not accomplishing what you're capable of accomplishing. You're just hanging on when you should be overcoming. We need a move of God in our lives. This young man of God uh, on his website, he made this comment, and I said amen to my computer screen. But he said he was talking about fundamentals. That's something we don't like to talk about. Because when we talk about fundamentals, we automatically get this inclination of discipline, of work, of fighting, of having to press. We get the inclination of being stretched. Somebody say stretched. We get the inclination of suffering when we talk about fundamentals but he made this comment he said if you're an athlete 
and you try to do something physical or athletic and you have never learned the fundamentals, you are setting yourself up for failure. So I believe we need a revival of the fundamentals. We need to come back to some fundamentals in the body of Christ. We need to move back to some fundamentals because, let me tell you, all you have to do is read your Bible or read the news. You understand that there's an all-out attack on the body of Christ. There's an all-out attack on the move of God. There's an all-out attack on Jesus. There's an all-out attack on the people of God, on the Word of God, on anything godly. There's an attack. And I believe it's important that we understand that knowing the fundamentals puts me in a place where operating in the power of God will not hurt me. Because there is going to be, all you have to do is read your Bible to understand that as a result of this attack on the body of Christ, there is going to be a great falling away. And I know the thing that you just told yourself was, not me. Not me. Well, I'm thankful for your confidence, and I hope that is your testimony. But it's going to be amazing to see what caliber of people, people that you thought were strong, people that you thought knew the word, people that you thought were walking with God are all of a sudden be MIA or AWOL. They're going to be missing in action. And you're going to go, man, I never knew that that person would end up where they're at. I always envied them or looked up to them or respected them. But there's going to be a great falling away in the body of Christ. And I believe the only way to ensure yourself success in the midst of the falling away is to return to some fundamentals. Because I'm telling you, it's only going to get hotter. It's only going to get heavier. It's only going to get more intense. It's only going to become more deep and threatening to the life of the church. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Jesus Christ. And we shout about that. But what are you hanging on to to get you through? What are you hanging on to to get you to the other side? What are you hanging on to? What, what are you hanging your hat on? To get you through. Well, I came to church today. I come to church on a regular basis. Hallelujah. I come to church every Sunday. Hallelujah. But as I was getting ready this morning, I heard something in the Holy Ghost, and he said, we've got to get people beyond just being the elements of construction to actually be constructed. Well, what does that mean? 
Let me tell you something today, and this is the illustration the Holy Ghost gave me. He said, you can hang out in a, in a lumber yard all day long, but that doesn't make you a house. You can hang around all the elements of a house, but until you're willing to be built, Jesus said it in my church. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will build. Somebody say build. We've got to turn, we've got to turn church back into church again. In America, we've made them entertainment centers. Let me see if I can be entertained. Let me see if he can make me laugh. Oh, you got to hear this preacher. He is so funny. But is it building something in your life? Is the words you're listening to building something? Is it cutting you? Is it nailing you? Is it taking you from being something seemingly insignificant? like a two by four? And is it forming and fashioning you? Is it connecting you to something bigger than yourself? Or is it just pacifying you to make you feel good about the terrible shape you're in? We need a revival of the fundamentals. And I'm going to stay in the same vein that Pastor Chuck has been in over the last few weeks, being faithful in a failing culture. And I want to talk about Noah a little bit more because there, we need to discover some things about Noah's life besides just two by two and the ark and the flood. Because we've got to understand that when Noah was talked about in the New Testament, Jesus even talked about him. When he was brought into the New Testament, that means there's something about Noah that has significance for me today. Amen. There's something about a guy who loved God in the midst of complete darkness that can make an impact on my life today. And we, we automatically just look at, we try to put ourselves in the place of Noah, and we can't do that because God's not calling us to build an ark. But God is calling us to build something that will enable the Word of God to have significance in our generation. What are we doing with the Word of God in our life? So my reference, my scriptural references today about Noah Come out of the New Testament. I want you to open your Bible this morning 
the Hebrews chapter, and I know Pastor Chuck has referenced this too. He, he read the Old Testament, Genesis 5 and 6, references about Noah, but he's also read out of Hebrews 11. So this is nothing new. This is nothing new. It's not a new seed being put into the atmosphere, put into this church. But I purposely want to read the statement about Noah in the New Testament. But I also want you to turn in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. So find both of those pieces of Scripture, and we're going to read those, and then we're going to work. You know, talking about the fundamentals, I used to do a lot of, uh, I was athletic, played tennis, played golf, was the state frisbee champion when I was 13, went to regionals, I'm wowing you now, you know, played golf, played tennis, I fish. And this past week, I thought, I need to start running again. And when I was young, I could just throw on my tennis shoes and take off. But this week, I learned you better stretch before you go. <laughs> so I took a few minutes and stretched, and it made the run a little less tormenting, especially the next day. So in the power of the Holy Ghost today, through the reading of the word, through the preaching, and, and I'm, I'm just continuing a process of what Pastor Chuck has already started over the last few weeks. By the way, they're coming home today from a week of vacation. Pastor Chuck and Pastor Karen, they've been in Arizona all week. They'll be home today, so don't worry. I will not be preaching here next week. But I know Pastor Chuck has already started a process of stretching some people. And I thought, why would you want to stretch in the middle of summer? Because it's important that we stretch at a time that we normally relax so that we don't become stiff and immovable anymore. So I believe this summer has been a summer of intense preaching. I know we don't have prayer in July because our staff is on vacation and so many people of our church are on vacation but you know what? I hope we're a little bit deeper of a church that just because there's not Tuesday night prayer, that there's not daily warfare going on every day in the realm of the spirit out of this body. Amen. But I know Pastor Chuck has started this series and it's been a series of stretching, especially last week. Boy, I just felt so many, even myself as I was sitting there and he was preaching his heart out, I thought, Man, he's trying to stretch something here. And I did everything within me to stay in the position and condition that I was in because sometimes you just don't want to stretch. You just don't want to step back and humble yourself sometimes and say, I need to get back on some fundamentals because I told you, there's going to be a following away because there's a following away of fundamentals. People are trying to step out 
and work in the power of God, and they're going to fall away. Why? Because they forgot the fundamentals. You try to step out, lay hands on somebody, in Jesus' name, be healed, and it doesn't happen. People are frustrated. People believe the word of God doesn't work. The name of Jesus does not make an impact anymore simply because you got away from the fundamentals and you had a failing moment. And instead of humbling ourselves and saying, you know what, I've gotten off the foundation of the word of God, God doesn't heal simply because I believe he heals. He heals because he gave his life on Calvary. He poured out the blood that forever bought redemption for not only my spirit but also my physical body because it's not about me. It's about him. Let me say that again. I'm going to give you another opportunity to respond right there. It's not about what I can do for him. It's what he can do through me. Let me make it a little more plain. It's not about my name. It's about his name. Hallelujah. So let's read together in Hebrews 11.7. You can probably quote it. For verbatim, but let's read it anyway. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 25 for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Wow. Somebody say that's both barrels. Now, my subtitle to being faithful in a failing culture is this The Courage to Be Called Foolish. Wow. The courage to be called foolish. The courage, now let me, let me clarify. The courage to be called, that's important. The courage to be called foolish. It's not the courage to be foolish, but it's the courage to be called foolish. My subtitle is this, we must 
be willing to be called foolish. Now in the Genesis portion of scripture that Pastor Chuck's been reading from, it says, if we're going to find favor, Noah found favor, Noah found favor in a failing culture. If we're going to find favor in a failing culture, if we're going to advance the kingdom in the midst of a culture that has removed God from every area of life, we must be willing to be called foolish. Wow. We must be willing to be called foolish. And when we look at the life of Noah, when we look at the life of Noah, we see that he did several things in his life that could be called foolish. How many believe hearing a word from God, number one, hey, I heard from God. I heard from God. God is speaking to me. God gave me a word. God, God gave me a mandate. God gave me a call. God gave me a purpose. Come on, in today's culture, that's foolish. So we don't talk about stuff like that outside of these four walls. When was the last time you told your coworker, God's got a plan for my life. This is just an avenue for getting finances, paying my bills, putting food on the table, putting clothes on my kids. But God's got a plan for my life. I know God, God's put me here for a purpose. God's put me here for something bigger than myself. Why don't we do that? Because we know you're crazy. You've been drinking too much. Did you drink on the job? You know we have a drug and alcohol policy here at work. Not only do I have a word from God, but it's to build an ark. Now, around the regions that had water, it's not that crazy. But in a region where an ark is really not all that necessary, you know, it would be like I went fishing in my boat yesterday, but you know one of the things that I did with my boat, I put it in the lake. It would have been foolish to get in my boat in my front yard and start making some casts. But he said, God's called me to build an ark, something that's going to bring preservation for my family and it's going to preserve mankind through the failing culture that we're living in. Pretty crazy. Look at somebody and say, that's pretty crazy. Seems foolish. But he had a word from God and he had a vision from God and he had a plan from God and he had a fear of God. Wow. And it's not the fear that our flesh man thinks of. It's a fear that the spirit man 
manifest when we understand how big he is and how insignificant we are. And it's really a fear that's generated by how could somebody so big and awesome care about me? So it's not a fear of, man, if I do something bad, he's going to knock me over the head. It's a fear that says, man, why would he even care? So that brings me to my umbrella point is this. And all of the things that Noah did that seemingly seemed foolish, the one thing that it all umbrellas under, the one thing that made him look nuts, the one thing that made him look the most foolish was that in the fact of when everything was dark, when everything was going backwards, when everything was failing, when everything was seemed ending, futile, no use, Noah cared. Wow. Noah cared. Because in our culture today, especially in the church, we've adopted this attitude of, I'm just going to do enough of the fundamentals that gets me into heaven. I'm not going to really press into the things that develop the fullness of God down on the, the inside of me that would make me capable of making an impact on my generation. The church has thrown up their hands when it comes to making an impact on the world. And we have basically said, forgive my French, but to hell with the world. Let me say that again. The church has adopted because of our betrayal of the fundamentals, because of our betrayal of our true identity, We don't believe that we can make an impact on the world that we live in today. But Noah, one man, I don't know how many people were in the earth at that time. The only genealogy it really goes into is Seth. That was his great, 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 great grandfather, Adam's son, Adam and Eve's son after Abel was killed. That's what Eve said. Seth has been born to me to replace Abel, the righteous son. And we also know about Cain's line a little bit. So there, theologians say there were millions of people in the earth at that time. They didn't have TV back then. Amen, you can laugh. Take a breath. They didn't have TV back then. There were millions of people in the world at that time. And God told Noah that they're all dark. But thankfully, Noah, you picked up something from your grandfather, your great-grandfather, that has enabled you to find favor. To find the ability to do something in your generation. So Noah, despite all of the sin Despite all of the wickedness, despite all 
of the ungodliness. Noah says, I'm going to care. Hallelujah. Noah says, I'm going to care about what's going on in my culture. I'm going to care about the word of God. I'm going to care about God doing something in my life. Listen to this. This is an interesting point. He cared about his family. Some timelines say that God's warning about the flood came before he had children. Wow. He cared about God's word and God's image in the earth. He cared about the future and lives beyond his own. He cared when no one else did. Everything great, hear me today, everything great begins with caring. Let me say that again. Everything great begins with caring. The last thing the church needs to do is adopt a survival mentality. The only way we're going to be able to stand against the darkness is if we care more than it hates. Mm. What do I do in a falling culture? What do I do when everything's dark? What do I do when the news and the internet and YouTube are all full of destruction and doubt and unbelief? I've got to care more than it hates. I've got to understand that the only thing that's going to enable me to pursue and persevere and press through and make an impact is, number one, I've got to care. I've got to care about the glades. I've got to care about my church. I've got to care about my brothers and sisters. I've got to care about the next generation even though they're not here yet. I've got to care I've got to care enough to look foolish. How many have ever heard the story? A man walking down the beach walks up and there's thousands of starfish laying on the beach. Watched up for who knows why. And I think it's a young child begins to grab each starfish and walk them back to the ocean. And somebody comes up to him and says, do you think you can really make an impact? And he said, for that one I did. For that one I did. At what point does it become worth it? Five souls? Ten souls? Oh, I'm not going to go to church today because I don't really think anybody is going to be impacted. One soul. Is one soul enough for you to get up? Is one soul enough for you to pray for an hour every day? Is one soul enough for you to get in the word of God and let it begin to hammer out the will of God? Is one soul enough for you to quit being angry? Is one soul enough for you to quit being prejudiced? Is one soul enough for us to lay down our differences? At what point does it become worth it? Is one family enough? Sadly, in our Western culture, we don't want to do anything unless we know the return is going to be overwhelming. Oh, I, you know, I, I, I do manage people, and you're trying to develop in them 
that, you know what, advancement really comes when you're willing to do over and above your job description. You really begin to move into another level of life when you're willing to do something that maybe you didn't see on your application. Oh, I ain't paid enough to do that. Well, stay where you are. Don't complain to me that you don't have enough to get a new truck. You don't have enough to get a house. You'll always have to rent. You don't have enough. You don't have enough. You don't have enough. You'll never have enough until you're willing to do something outside of your sphere of worth. Oh, man, people that go the extra mile, people that turn their cheek, people that love those who hate them, those people are foolish. That's right, but you know what? They're winning in life. Hallelujah. What is foolishness to the perishing is moving them to another level. I wish I could be more funny today. But man, I feel something burning down on the inside of me in the Holy Ghost. You know, sometimes I struggle over what to preach, what to say. This came to me. And it's and, and I've got to be honest, it's not like I prayed and got this word. It's just been God, since Pastor Chuck has started this series, it's just God dropping bombs on me throughout this series throughout the last few weeks, dropping bombs and just opening my eyes a little bit, shaking me a little bit, stretching me a little bit, calling me back to some things that I had forsaken. It's not been comfortable. It's not been easy. So when he said, can you cover for me Sunday? We'll be coming back into town. I said, yeah, no problem. He said, do you have anything to share? And I said, yeah, no problem. I didn't have to get in my prayer closet. I didn't have to pray in tongues for 10 hours. The word that God wants me to share today has been burning down on the inside of me over the last few weeks. I have a passion for the church. I have a passion for the body of Christ. I have a passion for the called out ones. I have a passion for this region. I have a passion for this city. Amen. And when you care about something, a lot of times you don't have to pray a lot. Because in my caring, God downloads what I need. Let me say this. How many need you're believing for something financially to come into your life that you don't have the resources for right now? All right. Everybody in here should have said amen. We're believing for a church to be built out here several million dollars that we don't have the resources for right now. I'm going to talk to you, and I'm going to tell you something. If you don't get anything out of my message today, hear this. Hear this. Noah found favor. Why? Did he care before favor or after favor? He cared before favor. That brings me to my point. We need several million dollars 
but we only have several thousand dollars and we're believing for a, a building to come out of the ground out here that will seat 800 people, something that's never been done in this city before. Never been done in this region before. How do we get that money here? It begins by caring because caring draws resources. Let me say that again. How many, let me, let me go to my next point, never mind. Caring, I'll say it again anyway. Caring draws resources. How many believe that Noah had probably never built an ark before? How big you want it? I built one two years ago. I built one 200 years ago in Noah's life. 200 years ago, I built one that was 100 feet long, man. I think it was 20 feet wide. How big you want this one, God? You know, he probably was not a professional art builder. But I thought the one thing that brings the wisdom and insight into a person's life who've never, who has never had it before begins by simply caring about something beyond yourself. Caring has this uncanny ability to get the resources you don't have into your life. So if we want to put a building out here on this property, do something that's never been done before, what's the key? Do we need to learn how to manage our finances better? Do we need to learn how to call on fundraising better? Do we need to be better stewards? No, we need to be better carers for the region we've been given. Because I'm telling you this, if we begin to care for this region like God cares for it, the money will come. The plans will come. The construction company will come. The resources will come. Amen. Amen. I wish I had a little bit better response there because it really lets me know that how many of you out there are really believing to get above where you are right now? Oh, I don't need any resources. I'm good. I'm good. I told you at the beginning of the service, you look terrible and you need a move of God. We need a move of God in this city. And we've got to know that the buck starts and stops here. But why does caring draw resources? Because caring is the key to creativity. Well, I don't know how to build an ark. I don't know anything about animals. But man, I love my family. And I'll do anything to protect them. I love my family. And I love the word of God. I love the legacy and the heritage of faith and walking with God that's in my family line. And I don't want the word of God. I don't want the will of God. I don't want the blessings and favor of God to end. And God said, I'll make you the best art builder that's ever been. I'll make you the best zoologist that's ever that's ever walked the earth. And, you know, it's interesting. 
that Noah's name means comfort. Somebody say comfort. I believe Lamech named him and said, his name is Noah because he will comfort people that are working the ground that has been cursed because of man's folly. Mm. Care. Noah will care. Noah will care when no one else does. And it will cause him to look foolish to his generation. It will cause him to look foolish to all of those who know him, understand him. But everything great begins with caring. The darker things get, the greater the ability to care gets. Oh, let me tell you something. The devil just thinks if I could just make it really dark, I'll get everybody to quit. Matthew 24, 12 through 13, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. The only way to withstand a culture gone bad is to care more than it hates. Romans 5, 20, the law was brought so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace Grace, somebody say grace. Grace, favor, that was a result of caring, increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring, bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let me give you a good definition of grace. Grace is caring in the face of crime. Anyone can care for those who have the ability to return the favor. The cross of Christ calls us to care for those who not only can't do anything for us, but also those who think we're foolish. Oh, I'm not going to help that person. They think the lifting of my hands. They were laughing at me the other day when I was lifting my hands. Oh, I'm not going to pray for that person. They, they chuckled when, when I just kind of lifted my hands or when I was singing along with Pastor Porter. They kind of snickered when I went up front and kneeled at the altar. Oh, I, I can't pray for that person. No, but I can pray for my buddy who encourages me. I'll pray for that person who can, who can uh, elevate me or somebody who can take me to another level and influence me. That is not kingdom caring. You know, we say stuff like this. I'm not going to hang around anybody who can't do something for me. How selfish and ungodly because the cross of Christ that we're supposed to be taking up every day says this. Don't worry about the person that can do something for you. I'm calling you to care and give your life, blood, sweat, and tears for the person who cannot do anything for you and the person that thinks you look foolish. Wow. Somebody say kingdom caring. The grace of God is caring in the face, in the face, in the face of crime. 
You want to do something to offend me? I'm going to turn it up even more. You're going to call me a fool. You're going to think I'm foolish for coming to church. You're going to think I'm a fool for reading my Bible. You're, th- you're going to think I'm a fool for lifting my hands and worshiping God with all of my heart. You think it's funny? Hang on, sister, because you just became my number one prayer target. God, touch them. Let the fire of God touch them. Let the move of God touch them. Let their ears be open to hear the blessings of God. Let the favor of God get all over them. I'm not praying this stuff. God, let fire come down and smoke them. No, I don't want that because that's what they want. That's already where they're at. God, let them get what I got. Let them find what I have found. Let this blessed gospel that has set me free get a hold of them. Hallelujah. Let them get out of their dead religion into a living relationship with the Son of God. The curse, let me say this. You need to hear this. The curse and the cursing is broken at Calvary. Oh, hallelujah. So if I'm carrying my cross and the curse was broken at Calvary, cursing cannot come out of my mouth. If cursing can come out of my mouth, if gossip can come out of my mouth, if destruction can come out of my mouth, if doubt can come out of my mouth, if fear can come out of my mouth, it only says one thing. You have laid your cross down somewhere. Because when I take up my cross... The only thing that can come out of my mouth is blessing. How many have ever seen the movie Liar, Liar with Jim Carrey? Come on, crazy movie. His little boy makes a birthday wish that his dad cannot lie. Oh, that is hilarious. I love Jim Carrey. I hope the power of God gets a hold of him. Even though he only believes that we're some single-cell carbon-based Reality. But as much as he tries, he's a lawyer. What a great setup. A lawyer that cannot tell a lie. Any lawyers in here? So in his profession, he's got a lie and he can't lie and he's trying to. One of the scenes is he's got a pen and he's sitting at his desk and it's a red pen. And he goes, you are, he's trying to tell the red pen it's blue. He can't get it out of his mouth. And he tries to write blue with a red pen and it keeps writing red. Scene cuts away, it comes back and his arm is up here and he has written red all over his face and all over his body. When the cross of Calvary is on our shoulder, cursing cannot come out of our mouth. Hallelujah. The church should be the last one to say there's no hope. The church should be the last one to believe that this entire city and region can be saved. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, it's got to be the willingness. 
to look foolish. But you know what? Every Sunday, it becomes a talent show and it becomes a inhibition show. In other words, see how much I can hang on to my dignity and how much I can look dignified. David strips down to a linen and ephod. We would say his underwear today. To his base garment. Talk about getting back to fundamentals. David strips down to his base underwear garment. It wasn't like Hanes or Fruit of the Loom. It wasn't boxers. It wasn't briefs. But it was his base. I mean, the layer under that was flesh. Amen. PG R underneath. David strips down to a linen ephod. And he's at the front of the procession bringing the presence of God back to Jerusalem. I mean, I can't, you know, you better stretch. In my mind, you know, I visualize things. So I thought, man, I bet he did some stretches because he was going. He was going, boy. I'm telling you, he was going. Come on, Chris, get up here and go. Come on, Chris. I I want you to go, man. I want you to do in your heart what you think King David was doing. Don't strip. I want you to give it. Because I've seen Chris just go. I don't think Chris, that's one thing I appreciate about Chris. He's not worried about anybody's perception of who he is outside of the love of God. So I want you to do, come on, I know you can do it. This is not a time to be shy. It's not a time to be, there you go. That's what I'm talking about. Because you've got to realize the first attempt that he did it, his good buddy got killed. Would have been a good place to throw in. But this one, he was doing it right. Somebody say doing it right. Doing it right. And he wasn't holding anything back. Amen. You've got to do it without music too. There wasn't a funky beat. There wasn't a drummer laying down a good beat. I mean, it's just all out, bringing it on. There, there we go. That's a good start. That's a good start. Well, yeah. Come on. 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 Kick that head back one day. Come on. Hey, come on. When you feel the glory. If it's not making you look foolish to yourself, it ain't doing nothing. So he gets the ark back to the presence, to the, to, to the tabernacle, the tent that he had. Man, he's, he's breathing heavy, but he is feeling good. Woo! Woo! Bible says he blessed all the people, gave them donuts. Donuts for everybody. Gave them donuts. And caked, and he says, man, I'm taking this to the number one place that I need it most. Oh, y'all hang on. Y'all hang on, because I'm going to tell you something right here. I'm going to tell you something right here. I'm glad that Pastor Chuck's talking about Noah, because Noah is a, such a central figure of the dispensation of what God does from the beginning to the end. Number one, he started. Somebody say started. He started with Adam. First, man. 
He started with one man. So hopefully inside of you there is a individual relationship with God. Amen. One on one. But God says, it's not good for you to stay just one on one. I'm going to bring you into a family environment. And I'm not talking about the church yet. So God, the Bible says, he puts his beloved where? In families. So Noah becomes a picture of the family movement. Okay? I haven't forgot about David. Don't worry. No, that was too good of an illustration to let that die. So Noah brings us to the importance of understanding that I've got to understand that I've got a responsibility to get God moving in my family. And I'm not just speaking to parents here. I'm speaking to children too. Amen. But then it comes into the New Testament, Jesus, Matthew 16, upon this rock I'm going to build my church. So we have to understand that God wants to deal with me individually. He wants to bring victory to my family, husbands, wives, children, parents. Amen. I can't forsake them. I've, I've got to start with an individual personal relationship with Jesus. I've got to move into a responsibility for my family. It's not just me and God to hell with everybody else. Amen. And isn't it amazing the families that God puts his people in sometimes? I'm talking about, man, my, my wife needs to move. My children are backwards. Why is that? Why are your children backwards? Now, you can get in guilt and condemnation and say, well, I, I failed my family. No, he puts you in a backwards mess, a bunch of people that don't know up from down so that you could be the light in the midst of the darkness. God don't need no light where everything is all right. Let me say that again. See, you've been frustrated with God about how bad your kids won't turn around, things won't get back. God don't need no light where everything is right. You need to thank God for that uncle that's an alcoholic. I'm serious. Because that lets you, that lets God know that, hey, he can trust me with somebody who needs to be turned around. So when you fall, slap dad and dab in the middle of darkness. That's not a curse. Oh, let me say that again. I'm tired of hearing people say, Man, if I could just get a job where we pray the first hour of the day and where everybody helps everybody, God don't need no light there. You need to thank God that you work with a bunch of heathens because God is letting you know I can trust you. Mm. Hallelujah. Mm, I told you we're coming to work today. Coming to work. Because when I walk into the darkness, the light down on the inside of me becomes a whole lot more important. Woo! I fear the day 
Come on, the Bible says, beware of everybody who speaks well of you. Because that's when the light gets a little bit dimmer. Come on, somebody pray this with me. God, let the government get even worse. Let inflation, come on, let inflation get worse. Because I'm telling you something, my faith, my testimony, my will, God's will for my life has nothing to do with how well or how bad the government's doing. Oh, hallelujah. Because the government has no money except yours. The government has no money and they have no ability or no mandate. To save the world. They don't. They just have a mandate to govern, protect. Thank God for that. Amen. Thank God we've never had a serious war on our land. Because we've got an awesome army. We've got awesome armed forces. But you know what? Talking about coming back to fundamentals. We're under an awesome God. I'm telling you, America, say this with me, America, say it loud, America is still under God. Oh, hallelujah, as long as I'm on this land from sea to shining sea, oh, from mountain, oh, to mountain, as long as I'm walking on this land, it is still under God. May not be totally manifested, but it is still under God. And God will bless America, whether the White House is the right house or it's the wrong house, because somebody cares and somebody is walking with the favor of God on their life. Hallelujah. Somebody say care. I got three minutes. That is such a, you know, how do I, how do I bring articulation? How do I bring practicality? What does care in the kingdom look like? Care in the kingdom looks like this. Somebody say prayer. Mm. Prayer. Talk about a fundamental. Talk about a fundamental. I think it's Matthew 6. Jesus talks about prayer. I'm going to share just, I'm not going to go into depth. I may bullet blast it real quick because Pastor Chuck may be turning the page and going in a different direction next week. I don't, I don't know what I feel. All I know is right now. I'm sure he's going to do the will of God. So I'm not working off of what I think he may do. But prayer. How does my caring begin to take shape? Prayer. Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is talking about prayer. 
Don't be like the Gentiles. Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the religious leaders. And he says this in there. He says, this is how. Somebody say how. This then is how, how you pray. We read it like this. This is what you pray. Jesus wasn't giving them a recipe for prayer, like a prayer list. He was giving us an attitude. Somebody say attitude. Somebody realize prayer is an attitude. That's the first thing that's got to change if you're going to see God move is an attitude. And caring is an attitude. Give me a few more minutes and I'm going to wrap this thing up. This then is how you pray. And he starts it with a three-letter word, our. Somebody say our. Mm. There's got to be a corporate attitude. Oh, it's just me and Jesus and Kent's making love and she's getting all cuddly. Nope, that's not how you pray. You got to pray with an us. You got to pray with a we. You got to pray with a them. You got to pray with a those attitude. So if it's just you and God, you're, you, you missed it. Our, somebody say our. Our Father. It's about him, not you. So number one, it's about all of us. I don't pray in a bubble. I pray in a company. Our Father. It's about him. Man, right off the bat, he gets our focus fixed. It's about them, and it's about me. Hallowed be thy name. Somebody say hallowed. When was the last time you used that word? Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed means to make holy, make set apart your name. We sang it this morning. What am I setting his name apart from? What am I making holy? What am I segregating his name from? Is it from the, from the world? Oh, his name is above the world. His name is above cancer. His name is above the government. The first thing you've got to separate his name from is your name. Hmm. Jesus, I will pray as long as it doesn't challenge my name. Your prayer is useless. Hallowed be thy name. Let's move on. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. We read that as two different things. It's one thing. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, the thrust of the kingdom is this, and I'm going to, I'm wrapping it up as fast as I can. The thrust of the kingdom of God, stay with me, stay with me, stay with me. 
the thrust of the kingdom of God is serving. Wow. I'm telling you, it's not what you pray, it's how you pray. Thy kingdom come. See, we, we, when we pray that, we imagine, boom, 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 here comes heaven. Here comes heaven to the scene. Here comes heaven. Everything is going to be clean. Here comes heaven. You follow me? Here comes God. The, the kingdom's coming. The devil better run. Here he comes. No. This is how you pray. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, my prayer is for no thing I'm willing to surrender. I'm not willing to surrender. Sorry. No matter how bad they get, because he said this, if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, he said you must become like this little child. But he also says this, the kings of the earth lord it over people. I'm over you. Not so in my kingdom. Because if you're going to be in my kingdom, you must be servant of all. Whew. Fundamentals. Fundamentals. Why is the body of Christ in the shape it's in today? We've gotten away from Fundamentals. Oh, man, where's that servant heart again? Oh, and I don't, you know, thank God for ushers, people that come and serve. But you know what? That's not the arena that he's talking about. He's talking about in your dark place. Mm. Because he goes on to say this. Give us today our daily bread. Somebody say daily. Daily bread. Fundamentals. And I just heard the Holy Ghost say this. If the word of God is not shaping your daily moments, don't expect it to move your deep-seated mountains. Mm. See, we go, we go with the, we neglect the word on a daily basis, and then we come up to this mountain and go. In Jesus' name, be thou removed and cast into the sea and nothing happens. That's because yesterday, we didn't even think about the word. That's because yesterday when I had a headache, I didn't even apply the word. It's because yesterday when somebody called me and said, pray for me, we didn't even, Lord, touch them. If the word of God is not shaping my day, and the moments of my day, fundamentals, I'm telling you. Seven sons of Sceva. It's going to lead to frustration and hurt. Amen? I've got to learn to believe God for my headache today. I've got to learn to believe God for that employee today. So it doesn't build up.
to this huge mountain. that I cannot move. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I want to remind you, this is how you pray. Is there anybody in your life you have not or cannot forgive? What do you mean by forgive? That means releasing them and giving them the space to repent. Come on, stand on your feet. Jesus said, if you're praying and you bring, I need a gift. Give me a gift. Here it is, Kleenex. Lord, I bless you with this box of Kleenex. Lord, I come to the altar today. Come on, we bring our tithes and offerings. He said, if you come to the altar and bring a gift and you lay it on the altar, isn't it amazing at what points in our life that we really think we're doing something for God that he brings up? Hey, man, I want you to get the most out of what, what you're fixing to do. I want to remind you of something you said to somebody this week, what you thought about somebody this week. You bring your gift to the altar, and you're worshiping God. You're pouring it all out. Oh, Lord, I give you this. It's a sacrifice, and you lay that gift on the altar, and you remember that there's some uneasiness between you and somebody else. There's been a door open for the devil to come in and get a foothold. You remember that. He said, leave the gift there. Go to that person. Make things right. Make things right. And then come back and offer your gift. I want to close with this thought. I know it's heavy. I know it's not shouting ground, but it's fundamentals. You know what? When I stretch for 30 minutes before I go running, it hurts. It's painful. It is not glorious. It is not. It is the hardest part. But that is what ensures that I'll get the most benefit out of my run. I'll enjoy it versus, oh my God, why do I do this? This is the stupidest thing I've ever done. That's about how fast I jog. My wife told me, do you run or jog? And I said, what's the slowest? How strong and powerful and intense is your love for God right now? How many want to take it up and it begins by forgiveness. A parent, a child, a co-worker. I'm telling you, don't let another day go by. Don't let another Sunday go by. Don't let another tithe go by. Don't let another offering go by. Don't let another act of service go by without making things right. Because if that's true, basically he's telling me, don't waste your time if you think you're doing something for me and you've got unforgiveness in your heart. So I want you to lift your hands this morning and say, God, I've got to get back to some fundamentals in my life. I've got to get back to some fundamentals, some good old prayer, some good old 
walking in the word, some good old devotion, some good old discipline. It's not glorious, it's not entertaining, but it is the meat and potatoes for me to be able to walk and be a witness for the kingdom. So Father, today I lift my hands. Lord, show me. Lord, let my worship open the door for you to show me if there's anyone I hold a thought against. I thought this about you. Somebody told me this about you and I heard it in gossip and I believed it. And I've let it shape my identity, your identity. And I've let it shape how far I'll go for you. And I've let it impede upon my care level for this region. Oh, hallelujah. Father, I declare today over racial lines. Unforgiveness is being, rele- is being destroyed today. This house will not be a place where people can hold on to racism. Prejudgment because of color, because of culture. physical ailments you have physical ailments that's what I hear you love God you believe the word you believe he healed you at Calvary but your faith is not making a difference because it's being impeded it's being held back by unforgiveness 
You mean I can, I can allow healing to flow into my physical body by forgiving and letting something go? Yes, absolutely. 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 Let me say that again. Just found it strong in this area. There's somebody with physical ailments. And they are linked to unforgiveness. Oh, let me say this. Let me tag something onto that word. It may not even be something that you are personally aware of. Could be a generational unforgiveness. Could be a personal, but I just see it as a generational unforgiveness. My grandpa hated him. And my pa hated them. And I don't even know what they did. But because my parents and my grandparents hated them, I hate them too. I feel like I am dishonoring my parents if I forgive them. But isn't it funny that probably you have the same physical ailments that your parents have? Why is sickness generational? It's because unforgiveness is generational. Oh, hallelujah. So one more time, just lift your hands. Father, I just thank you. Give me the courage to look foolish, to talk foolish. over here. just want to remind you of the story. Jesus comes up on the cripple. And I think it's so amazing that he doesn't say, be healed and walk. He said, behold, your sins are forgiven. 
sins are forgiven. He unleashed forgiveness in his life. I think that made it a whole lot easier for him to receive them when he said, if you don't believe the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins, watch this. Be healed. Get up and walk. Forgiveness. I'm letting it go today. I'm letting it go today. Man, I don't, I don't, I don't like to just draw things out. But man, I, I just feel something today. I, I can't let go of something in my spirit. I can't let go of it today. If you're in this place today, man, you may want to come to this altar. There, I, I believe there's a forgiveness breakthrough. I think there's God's teaching somebody something. for a fresh reality of the forgiveness of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God in their life. It's going to bring a lightness. It's going to remove the load. Jesus said, my load, my burden is easy. It's light. It only becomes heaviness. It only becomes heavy and a drudgery when there's forgiveness that has not been established. So Father, today, I thank you for forgiveness. In Jesus' name. Let's pray for our pastors. Father, we pray for Pastor Chuck and Pastor Karen as they travel home today. Oh, new days and new ways in Jesus' name. New days and new ways. In Jesus' name. Next month, we're going to celebrate our pastors. It's Pastor Appreciation Month next month. August because their anniversary is in August. Their birthdays are in August. It's just a time for us to honor them. And honor our spiritual parents of this house. In Jesus' name, Father, I just declare life and strength. A fresh fire of the Holy Ghost over them today. In Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. Father, they will discover resources. They're drawing resources into their life in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 We love you. God bless you. Thank you for pressing and pushing. Give the Lord a big hand clap today. Thank you, Jesus. Worship me.